Hello once again. I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for listening to localjobnetwork.com radio. This is Employment Notebook, where we utilize the expertise of our guests to discuss a number of workplace topics and give you some strategies to succeed. Today, we're taking a look at emotional savvy, what it is, why it's important, and even how to improve upon this. Helping us to break it all down is Janine Moon, a master certified career coach and author of Career Ownership, Creating Job Security in Any Economy. Janine, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate the invitation. Uh, definitely an interesting topic, and I think one that people are uh, you know talk about a lot more now than maybe they had in the past. Right. Uh, first and foremost, though, with that term, emotional savvy, how do you define it? What does that mean? In its simplest definition, emotional savvy is about how you connect with other people so that work gets done. Okay. I define it specifically within a workplace context, although it's applicable in you know any other context as well. But it's really leveraging other people's sweet spots in terms of themselves being their best and really connecting well so that there's not drama, there's not you know loss, deficiencies, and miscommunications. Okay. All right. That makes sense to us. And I guess you can kind of see in general why it's important, but for yourself, when you're maybe talking to individuals or anytime you're discussing this topic, why do you see it as being so important in the workplace? It's so important because the workplace, in terms of its needs for success today, are much different than they used to be. Sure. And we all grew up with how work's supposed to be, what it's supposed to look like. So what we typically grew up with is you go to work, you work hard, you get your skills, uh, you keep your nose to the grindstone, and everybody's happy. But the successful workplaces today are those that certainly have people with skills, but also with an emotional intelligence or an emotional savvy, because so much work today is done through relationships. Mm -hmm. It's done through teams. It's done through projects. The most successful companies have stellar relationships with their customers. They additionally have really great relationships internally so that people bring the best of themselves and emotions don't get in the way. Sure. So the work that is really required today to be done is the work of relationships with people. The better I get along with my teammates, the more we're able to communicate clearly and well, the more productive we're going to be. The more productive we are, the more the quality is going to be in the work we do the better the projects will come out on time, you know, within budget, mm-hmm. and happier customers will be. So that's really, it's, it's about the substance of work today and acknowledging that what work today needs is a little different in terms of what people bring to it. And you've mentioned before we, you know, I had the show and we were kind of communicating before setting this up that, you know, these, of course, are often considered soft skills not that they're uh, easy to handle, obviously, but right. do you see this as being a more important aspect now than even like finding the right person for the technical skills? I mean, where do you balance the hard skills versus the soft skills like these? I say both are really critical. In fact, the formula I use is success equals smarts, as in brain smart, mm-hmm. plus savvy, emotional savvy. There are uh, researchers out there and there's a certain amount of evidence that has begun to say over the last 10 plus years, the emotional aspect, particularly from a leadership perspective, okay. equates to anywhere from 60 to 90% of a leader's success. Really? Yes. Wow. Now, I really think it's critical that there's both smarts and savvy. Sure. You know, intelligence, uh, skill sets, and, you know, hard 
technology skills and the professional skills, that's certainly critical. But it's equally critical that relationships are there and the ability to get along with people in order to get the best out of everybody and accomplish the work task. If you want a number, I'm going to say 50-50 because they're <laughs> both really critical. Sure. But there's some really interesting evidence that says uh, for leaders particularly, the emotional savvy piece is a big percentage of the success. And that is interesting because a lot of times we talk with individuals about the idea of management or people moving up to a position of being a manager, and they're not necessarily prepared for that. They may have the great skills, they might know how to do stuff, but they don't have those managerial skills. Do you see that as being something that needs to be emphasized more before you just randomly promote somebody? Hey, you're doing a great job. You've been here 10 years. We're going to put you in this management position. Do you see that there, there could be a disconnect there with the emotional side? There's absolutely a disconnect because very typically what you just said is what happens. Somebody's really technically competent and so they're moved up with the assumption that if they can do that job, then they can really manage people. And it's it's a different management of people today, if you will, than perhaps it was 20 or 30 years ago. Today's management is not at all about bossing. And a number of years ago, management was kind of defined or supervision as planning, organizing, and controlling. Mm -hmm. And that's really not what managing is about today. Management is really about getting the best from all of the people who are working in the organization, who are partnering for success. Because if you don't get that, then you're leaving some brains on the table. (laughs) And no business can really afford to do that today. Sure. So what management, I mean, really what shall I say, effective management, where you can get the best from people. What that takes and is something different than we used to define it. So we are missing the mark. Businesses really are missing the mark by not paying attention to this with the intensity they should. Hopefully that will come. So with that, I'm sure some people listening are thinking, okay, I think I have a good handle on this idea of emotional savvy and emotional intelligence being you know, sort of the, the partner with that. Right. If someone is looking to improve upon that or strengthen their emotional savvy, where do they start with that? What's, an, what's a first step that would be important? A first step, because there are multiple. Okay. A first step is simply being able to recognize your own emotions. Hmm. Quite frankly, that's something that we aren't taught. It's not discussed a lot, and so it, it sounds simple, but it might, in fact, take a little bit of work. And, and it's not that it is you know, an uphill kind of difficult task, but it's really learning to be conscious, learning to stop yourself when you're in the midst of something and you feel yourself getting frustrated or sometimes we'll feel sweaty or sometimes we'll feel cold or there'll be a knot in the pit of our stomach. Those are physical indications that there's something emotional going on and there's an emotion associated with it. So really the first step is beginning to recognize when you have an emotion because that's the start of the process. And at that point in the process, when you recognize it, you have a choice. Hmm. If you don't recognize it, you don't have a choice as to how you handle it. So that's the beginning. Okay, so let's let's step into that quickly. I, I recognize I'm getting irritated or frustrated. Mm-hmm. What are my options then? Okay, I, as you said, I recognize it. Do I step away and come back? Do I use that in some way? I mean, is that really what you need to learn just from experience? Or what would you suggest? The thing is, once the emotion's been recognized, then you have a choice as to if you want to make sure that whatever happens going forward is productive hmm. or not. Because 
if the emotion continues to run the show, which is what's happening, when the emotion runs the show, the logical or the rational part of us is secondary. And at that point where we recognize an emotion, we need to stop ourselves. And so sometimes it's internal conversation. Okay, I know I'm upset. I know I'm angry. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to take some deep breaths because that has a huge impact on our stress levels and our blood pressure and the tension in us. And in that few seconds, if you will, where we're making the decision, okay, I'm going to put the emotion aside, what we're doing is we're really giving our logical brain time to kick in Hmm. because the emotional part of us is run by that part of our brain where the fight or flight response resides. And so when our emotions are kicking in, what that really means is we perceive our brains have perceived there's some kind of a threat. It used to be that it was a saber-toothed tiger (laughs) that was the threat. But today, it can be something as simple as somebody in the next cubicle doing something that's just really, really irritating. (laughs) And so that begins to be frustrating and it adds up. But once we can become aware of that, then we can recognize okay, this is the emotional part of me at work. Let me put that aside or let me reduce it so that the, that my rational, my thinking brain can come into play. And once that begins to happen, then we can look at the situation and think, okay, this is what I need to do to reduce the frustration or to put it aside or to just get a fresh view. Sometimes it is walking away. Sometimes it's getting a breath of fresh air. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's physically removing ourselves. So it's somehow taking control of ourselves in such a way that we know our logical brain is the one that's thinking and going to participate in the conversation. I think that's a terrific way to break it down and give our listeners an idea of, you know, just a reminder that you you can have a choice and you can decide what's going to work best for you. And as you said, even those deep breaths can help and in those certain circumstances. How about when we, again, we're talking about emotional savvy in the workplace. So as you mentioned, we're dealing with others and it may not always be mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. that are having the emotional you know, frustration or emotional reaction to something. We obviously have to include ourselves with others. So what steps can we take to help with our emotional intelligence, our emotional savvy when it comes to the other people around us? Well, there's two things. One is really knowing our own response to other people's emotions. Hmm, okay. Because sometimes we can know our own emotions, you know, be in control of them, you know, feel in charge okay. Right. And for whatever reason, individually, we don't deal with somebody who's angry very well. Or we can't, you know, somebody comes in who's really frustrated or who's, you know, raising their voice, that can get our emotions riled up. And so, one, we need to be aware of how we respond when other people become emotional. And then, two, once we know how that is or once we can, you know, make sure that our logical brain's running the show, then we just need to decide how will we approach both of those situations. And to some extent, it may be some of the same thing. If, in fact, I know I get upset with somebody else's strong emotion, then what will I do about it that will make for the most productive response? For some individuals, it might be, you know, I'll be right back. I need to step away from this, and that's possible. Mm -hmm. For other individuals, it might be being able to say, I can hear that you're really frustrated or that you're really angry, but I don't think very well in these circumstances. Can we talk about this in a few minutes? Right. And so it's figuring out 
without being accusatory or, you know, generating any kind of a, a conflict. It's figuring out how I can, because I can only take care of myself. I really can't make you change. I really can't make you do things differently. And certainly, if I point a finger and say, hey, you're being angry here and that emotion isn't helping any of us, that could be embarrassing or it could be the kind of thing that simply, you know, shuts everything down. Mm -hmm. So from a broader perspective, more people understanding this and learning how to deal with their own and other people's emotions effectively is really the underpinnings for all of this. Right. Because we aren't taught. We don't learn how to do this in most cases. And that was one thing I was going to ask. I feel like especially you're talking about maybe we deal with one person's emotions differently than we deal with another person's for whatever reason it is. I mean, mm -hmm, yeah. whatever rationale there is to it. Do you think that's something that people are, I don't know, uneasy, maybe reacting differently or, or admitting that they react differently? Because to me, I, I just personally, I feel like everyone has this idea that we should react and, and act the same way towards everybody. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but I almost look at it like, would it be bad to take some notes for myself? Be like, okay, if person A reacts this way, I, this is how I need to handle it. Person B reacts this way. I mean, is that strange to do that? Do you think that would be effective? Oh, I think that's the most effective. But I also think it takes a certain amount of uh, practice and learning to be able to make those kinds of distinctions. Mm -hmm. There are some distinctions that are really pretty clear. For example, most of us will react and respond differently to the person who manages us sure, sure. than we will to a peer or to somebody who reports to us. Mm -hmm. There are people in a workplace where, for whatever reason, we look at them as highly political and, you know, we kind of keep our distance or we, we approach them a little more gingerly than we would people with whom we're very comfortable. And so for us to respond and react differently to different people is absolutely the best thing to do. I mean, that's, that's how the best managers and leaders in workplaces function. They recognize right. that everyone's an individual, and so they shift or flex their own behaviors to create the best possible environment and relationship so that work gets done productively and well. So it's not at all unusual to be able and to really be desirable to flex. I'm going to be this way because this gets the best out of Joe, and I'm going to be this way with Sally because this gets the best out of her, whether that's a peer, a manager, or you know somebody who's part of the team right. that we're with. That would be the ideal. And I think you're spot on with that. Managers, I'm sure, are more so taught to handle it that way, but peer-to-peer, you know, I appreciate you bringing that into it because I, I don't think most employees think of it in that way. So maybe this will help turn the listeners' ideas a little bit. We are quickly getting low on time, Jeanine, but I, I truly appreciate the conversation. I think it's a very fascinating topic. But I wanted to give you the opportunity here at the end to give our listeners a takeaway, something you think is extremely important about this conversation that you would like to leave them with just before we wrap up the show. One of the things we just touched on, Tim, was the fact that once we have our emotions kind of under our own control then we can make a choice. And I think one of the things that we forget very easily is that we always have choices. And so choosing our response to an emotion is what will make us effective or ineffective in every single interaction. And so if, if our listeners can think about the fact that we have choices and that kind of connection and, and work to move toward that, 
that's going to make things better for everyone. Very well put. With that, we will wrap up this edition of Employment Notebook and our examination of emotional savvy, whatever that might mean to you in your own personal workplace. We've been speaking with Master Certified Career Coach Janine Moon. She's also the author of Career Ownership, Creating Job Security in Any Economy. Janine, thanks again for sharing your experience with me and the listeners today. Thank you, Tim. I appreciate it. And of course, we always want to hear from you, the listeners. If you have any comments or suggestions, just shoot an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. If you have any thoughts related to any of our podcasts here on LJN Radio. Once again, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Take care, everybody. 